journey into the Bible and explore its hidden text and rich wisdom. Join Adol Kazilski Mondays at 1 p.m. for the trip of a lifetime. Shalom, shalom. I'm Adol Kazilski and I'm back on my camel traversing the Bible. I was away, um, as you may have noticed. Um, in the beautiful holy land of Israel, very, very special to be there, um, and especially that it was very warm as opposed to very cold South Africa. Um, but I'm glad to be back with you today um, as we are transverse, traversing the, the, the Bible, and I want you to get on your camel and join me. In fact, we are going to be joining Jacob's sons, who are now going to be going into Egypt to have that fateful meeting with their brother Joseph, whom they threw um, at the Ishmaelites so many years ago, 12 years ago. So please join me. We are doing Parashat Miketz. We are in chapter 42 of Genesis. We're going to start with verse 1 of 42. As always, I love it when you uh, join the chat, have a discussion, ask a question, make a comment. So please don't be shy. Our SMS number is 34. 519 and our telegram numbers oh 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 goodness gracious you see i've gone away for too long i'm going to wait for the controller craig if you could tell me <laughs> the telegram number and i will announce it my g you see that's what happens when you have too much heat in your brain um so let's get stuck into it we were at the point where we left off together that um joseph rose to power and he uh, landed up uh, being the viceroy of Egypt. They had seven years of plenty, as he predicted. And now the famine hits with an incredible vengeance. And not only does it hit with an incredible vengeance in, uh, in, in, in Egypt, it actually affects the entire world. So verse 1. Let's see what happens. Vayar Yaakov, Yaakov sees, Jacob sees, ki yesh shever that there are provisions in Egypt, vayomer Yaakov levanav, Yaakov says to his sons, lama titra'u, why are you just looking at each other? A very, very strange way of, of, of talking about the fact that there is a famine. Why are, you, why are you just looking at each other? So the Midrash comes and tells us the fact that Jacob did have enough food and they were all well fed and healthy. What he was worried about was um, the surrounding nations, Yishmael, Asab, and all of those people because they, he said to his sons, why are you looking at each other? Meaning stop looking at each other because what is going to happen is that, in fact, they're going to pass by, Yishmael and Esav and, and, and all the people there are going to pass by on the way to Egypt. And when they go and see that we are well and healthy, it, they will think that we have a lot. And they will then go and you know, plunder us. So basically, when he was saying, um, don't show yourselves, means be very, very careful who you're showing yourselves off to. And I think that it's a better idea that you just join the masses of people going into Egypt and um, let us just get more provisions. Because 
uh, you know, it would look really, really bad that we've got enough food and everybody else is suffering. The Vayomer, and he continues in verse 2, Hinei shamati, I heard ki b'mitzrayim, that there are provisions in Egypt. Redu shama, go down there, vishivru lachem sham v'nechye v'lonamot, go down there, let us get supplies there, let us live and not die. Well, again, very, very strange way that he is speaking. Let's look at the verse a little bit uh, more carefully through the eyes of the Midrash. Basically, what the Midrash was saying was that he was worried about Yaakov's, he was worried about his sons because each and every single one of them had a name around town and in the in the surrounding areas of being unbelievably powerful. Where did they get that name from? When the two brothers came into Shechem and massacred 3,000 men and, and there was just two of them. So they were very, very big, big boys, very, very, very strong, very tall. And so what Yaakov was saying is don't go all, when you get to Egypt, don't all go through the same gate, okay? Um, I don't want you be all to be in the same place. I don't want you to suffer from evil eye, from people looking at you. Um, go each through a different gate. Also, um, and we've spoken about this before, Yaakov, Jacob, um, had a glimmering of a prophetic experience. And he saw that in Egypt, there was a means to gain some good. And he had an inkling that if they go, if they, if they go down to Egypt, it wasn't really about the provisions, but rather that maybe, maybe somewhere along the line, Joseph was still alive. Other, other commentators say, well, he actually knew that Joseph was, was um, alive. And he basically went and said, redu, go down, redu shama, go down there. Meaning he was giving a hint he couldn't go tell them your brother Joseph is there. Um, he basically hinted to them with the word redu in saying go down there, meaning um, you are going to have a, a degradation. You're going to be degraded. Redu means to go down. You're going to be de de uh, degraded by Joseph when you come down in, in, into Egypt. Also, um, he could have used the word lechu. Go, go to Egypt. Why did he use the word redu? So if you look at the gematria of uh, the word redu, gematria is the numerical value of it. Resh is 200, dalit is 4, vav is 6, 210. Basically, he was giving a prophecy that um, the, from the time that, that he will immigrate to Egypt until the exodus, will be 210 years. So this promise that uh, the Jews will be in exile in Egypt as slaves for, for 210 years and come out very wealthy, this was the beginning of the end. By the brothers going down, yes, they're going to go down twice, and they're having the, they're, they're having the meeting with, with Yosef, will cause the Jewish people to come down into Egypt and redo, redo Shama. There they will remain for 210 years in fulfillment of God's promise to Abraham at the Brit Ben Haptarim, the pact um, of the halves that we, we learned quite a long time ago. And this was the beginning of its fulfillment. So this is one of many cases where you, a prophet makes a statement 
um, and nobody realizes it, realizes its full impact. Well, the sons were good sons. They listened to uh, uh, to Yaakov. The Yerdu Ache Yosef, Asara. So the brothers of Yosef, ten of them, uh, went down Lishbor Bar B'Mitzrayim. They went to buy grain in Mitzrayim. The Et Binyamin Achi Yosef, but Benjamin. The brother of Yosef, Loshalach Yaakov, Etechav. Yaakov did not allow um, him to be sent with the brothers. Ki Amar, for he said, Pen Yikre Enu Ason, in case, Chas Vashalom, in case, oh dear, my dear, um, he, the misfortune will, 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 will hit them. Right. Um, thank you for, uh, to the controller. Uh, telegram number 061-895-1019. Our SMS 34519. I'd love to hear from you um, if you've got any questions, any comments about this fascinating portion we are living. Uh, we, we're sorry, not we're, we are living through. We are learning. Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008. All righty, so... The brothers of uh, of Yosef, ten of them, come down to Mitzrayim to get provisions. Benjamin is not with them because Yaakov is worried. Now, why was Yaakov so worried? Why was Yaakov so particularly apprehensive about sending Benjamin during the famine? The answer is it says that when it is a time of calamity, when it is a time of of, um, of 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 bad things happening, there tends to be a, an opportunity for the Satan to go out dancing. This is the words of the Midrash, and so he and 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 Rose became pretty dangerous. So he didn't want um, he didn't want to send Benjamin because this was the, his last son from his wife Rachel. Um, at the same time, any one of the brothers could have gone down alone to buy provisions in Egypt. Why did Yaakov send all of them? Because he didn't want his sons to be separated one from, from another. Also, um, since food was very scarce, and we can understand that, if only one brother went and he got robbed um, and you know he seized the, the, the provisions um, that, that, that he had bought, then they would have landed up with with nothing so there was that as well but here was another thing because it's very interesting the way the words say that the brothers of Yosef came down there were 10 of them why were there 10 of them Yaakov insisted that the 10 sons go together so they would be able to always do their prayers in a minion okay um why um, because he would have told them to pray, to go and see if they would find Joseph. And we know that when men are together in a minion, even if an individual in a minion is not worthy to have his prayers answered, if he dovens in a minion, if he prays in a minion, then um, there is far greater spiritual strength in it. So he was sending his sons down with a lot of spiritual power. What's also interesting, it says, Ve'yerdu Ache Yosef Asara. Okay, the, the Torah calls them Joseph's ten brothers. 
Now, we know that he had 10 brothers, and we know that they're the brothers of Yosef. Why have, do you have to be so specific on that? And the answer there is that um, Joseph's 10 brothers regretted what they had done to him. And they decided that they would treat him like a brother to the fullest degree, and they would redeem him even if it took all the money in the world. But... What the Midrash was, is trying to prove is that they were still 10 brothers, meaning like all good Jewish people, they did not agree. Every one of the 10 brothers had a different thought. They, 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 they were blaming each other and there was still a lot of antagonism between them. And so, you know, you know what the famous saying was of Golda Meir, I'm not sure to which um, prime minister of America, but the Prime Minister of America said, you know, I'm, I've got a much bigger, bigger job. I'm a Prime Minister over whatever it was, five million people, to which Golda Meir quipped, I am a Prime Minister, yes, to only three million people, but my problem is that all three million people are Prime Ministers. So you can see that this wasn't a problem of Golda Meir's. It didn't start in the time of Golda Meir. It started in the time of the Bible. Ten brothers, they all disagreed. Um, Nevertheless, we're going to look in verse 5. The sons of Israel come to buy provisions from the others who came since there was a famine in the land of Canaan. Now, as they traveled, the Midrash tells us that Yaakov's sons concealed themselves amongst the others that came to Egypt because many people were coming because of the famine, and they didn't go, they didn't enter together as their father had ordered them. And here comes the very suspenseful um, meeting now between them. We're looking at chapter 42, verse 6. The Yosef hu hashalit al ha'aretz. Yosef was the dictator over the entire land. Hu hamashbir l'chol am ha'aretz. He was the one who provided the supplies to the entire population. The Yavo Ache Yosef and the brothers of Yosef come. They prostrate themselves um, on, on their faces before him, on their faces to the ground. Unbeknownst to them, they are bowing down to their brother. Now, Joseph, Yosef, had made three regulations. Number one, no slave could come to Egypt to buy food. Every household had to send one of its own members to buy food. They couldn't send an agent. That was the first rule about coming and getting provisions from Egypt. No proxies. A member of the household had to come. Number two, one man could not come with many donkeys to carry grain. Only one donkey per man was allowed. And no one was permitted to buy grain in wholesale quantities, quantities for sale elsewhere. So Egyptian grain could only be sold in Egypt and not anywhere else. Therefore, everybody was forced to come to Egypt for supplies. So one man, one donkey, and enough grain to put on one donkey. And thirdly, before any person was allowed to purchase the grain, he had to register. He had to give his name as well as the names of his father and his paternal grandfather. Those were the three rules 
that Joseph had put in. Joseph also had placed his son Menashe in charge of this. Remember, he had two sons. So Menashe appointed men to oversee this. They would all keep a daily record of who came. And in the evening, the records would be brought to Joseph, who would examine this, right? And Joseph explained that he'd put these rules and regulations in because he did not want people to hoard commodities, right? He said, basically, God does not want one person to hoard a surplus in his house when there could be poor people who are starving to death. So whoever came was questioned as to how many people there were in the household and he would be give, given a ration precisely according to his needs. And in order for people not to misrepresent themselves, every record was recorded, and the record would state the number of people in the household, the amount required, the amount purchased, etc., etc. Now, basically, Joseph wanted to be in control of all of this, okay? Um, so even though he was viceroy of Egypt, he didn't find it beneath his dignity now to start becoming, so to speak, a, a, grain, a grain merchant. And in fact, these rules and regulations served Egypt well because he managed to sustain not only Egypt, but all the surrounding lands during the time of hardship of the famine. And everybody was enamored with him. They blessed him. He became famous all over. Um, he was known as a kind person who had mercy on everybody, um, and he, he, he had an amazing, amazing name. Um, and that is why, one, another reason why Yaakov decided to send his sons to Egypt, because the viceroy of Egypt's reputation came to Yaakov, like he, he heard about it. But back of the farm, back behind the story, behind the story, this was Joseph's intent. He wanted his brothers to come to him without knowing his identity. Now, if he hadn't centralized all his sales, his brothers would have come to Egypt and they would have bought grain uh, without his ever finding out about it. Even if he decided, say, so to speak, to, to go around to all the markets, it would be quite possible they wouldn't recognize them. So that is why he stuck in these three rules. By having these rules, he was convinced that there would be no other way, there would be no way that they could escape um, his de uh, detection. So, back now to the story that's happening. Joseph's brothers come to Egypt, and according to their father's um, instructions, they each enter the capital city through a different gate, and they register there. And in the evening, when the registers were brought to Yosef, he boom he immediately noticed the name of Reuven, son of Yaakov. And then he saw in the next gate, Shimon, the son of Yaakov. And the next gate, Levi, the son of Yaakov. And so it did not take him long to discover that 10 of his brothers had come to Egypt to purchase grain. When he saw that, he sent out an immediate order that all um, all silos were to be closed with the exception of one and anyone who wished to purchase grain um, or other supplies had to come early to the one main warehouse where Yosef was. And he gave the, the manager of that main, that main uh, warehouse 
a list of his brother's names with an order that if those 10 people come to buy grain, they are to be immediately arrested on site and brought to his palace. Meanwhile, the brother, the brother's first point of business when they had come in was to look for Joseph. They didn't know where they could find Joseph. They certainly had no inkling that they should go look for him in a palace. What did they think? They had got rid of a 17-year-old boy, but this 17-year-old boy was unbelievably good-looking. He didn't have any skills, so he probably didn't enter the workforce. So sadly, they, they thought that Joseph would be in a, a, an area where there was a lot of promiscuity. So they went to the brothel district, okay? Um, so they thought maybe that is, that that is where he is and we will find him, we will pay for his freedom. Three days they spent looking for Joseph in that area. Joseph didn't receive any news about his brothers because they hadn't rocked up for the food. He summoned 70 men, Joseph, from his personal guard, gave them an accurate, as accurate a description as he could of his brothers and told them they have to go search all over the city and when they were found to arrest them and bring them to him. And guess what? They caught the brothers in the brothel district. So now the brothers are brought to Yosef's palace in the evening. They're held under guard and now they are very, very nervous. Maybe we've been arrested on the suspicion of smuggling, uh, when we, but don't worry, when we see the ruler, we'll explain, explain the truth to them. If we've been framed for something, we'll have to wait till tomorrow to find out. So finally, finally, as the verse said, now you can see everything that I've been telling you, I've been telling you because this is what the Midrash is telling us. Uh, the verse basically says that they came into Egypt, uh, they are now prostrating themselves before before Yosef, like they were prostrating themselves as they were standing before a king. Vayar Yosef et Echav, this is verse 7. Yosef sees his brothers, Vayakirem, he recognizes them. Vayitnakeralehim, he behaves as a stranger towards them. Vayidaber itam kashot, and he speaks very harshly. Um, to them, by Yomera Lehem, and he says to them, Me'ayin Batem, where have you come from? By Yomru, and they respond, Me'eretz Kanan, Lishbor Ochel, we have come from the land of Canaan to buy supplies, to buy food. By Yaker Yosef et Echav, Mehem Lo Hikiruhu. Yosef recognized his brothers, they did not recognize him. Okay, now, it says that although Yosef was able to recognize his brothers, at first he could not tell which was which, right? Because remember, there was a 12-year gap. Um, he was now 30 years old. He had left as a beardless youth of 17. He was now 30. His features were hidden behind a full beard, and he was dressed in regalia. Um, and the early brothers that were older than Yosef was Yisachar and Zvulun. 
and they were also beardless when when he was sold. But he recognized the older brothers. Uh, but since he recognized the older brothers, he was also able to recognize the younger ones. So he knew that the ten men standing before him were his brothers, and he was able to recognize the features of each one, although all of them had obviously aged and changed. The brothers, on the other hand, didn't have the slightest suspicion that they were addressing their brother, and it never ever entered their mind that Joseph was the chappie that was sitting in the palace, and. When we look at the verse, Vayaker Yosef et Echa vehem lohiki ruhu, Yosef recognized his brothers, but they did not recognize them. We are told that when the brothers sold Yosef as a slave, they did not recognize Yosef as a brother. As much as he cried and as much as he had pleaded, they had no pity on him. Okay? Now, anybody else would have had the right or taken the opportunity to exact revenge from them. But Yosef acted differently. He recognized his brothers. He recognized them as brothers. It didn't enter his mind to think about revenge. And the only way he spoke so sternly and coldly to his brothers was so they wouldn't recognize him. Okay? Um, so they, he, this, this, this is a really, really important lesson and something that we need to think about. Whenever we are out in the world and we are doing dealings, particularly with our own people, we've got to recognize that we are brothers. At the end of the day, we are family with each other. And it is wrong, it is wrong for us to exact revenge on each other. And had the brothers initially recognized Yosef as a brother, despite how irritated they were with him and how angry they were with him and, and all of those things, if they had recognized him as brother, they would never have sold him. So this is a very powerful lesson, that the greatness of Yosef was that despite what they had done with him, and can you imagine the faux rebel? And he had a right for that faux rebel. The brothers had made his life a misery. He had, he had gone through so much in Egypt, he could easily have made their lives a misery. But the Midrash comes to tell us that he recognized them as brothers. And even though he was coming across in a facade as being really angry, he in fact was, uh, was what he recognized the, the intrinsic connection that he had to his people. Now we look at verse 9. He, um, he remembered, Yosef remembered the dreams that he dreamt. And he said to them, You are spies. You came to see um, where the land would be exposed. Like you, you, you were hanging around like the, the most uh, distasteful places. You know, when a person is trying to go and see things about the land, that they hide themselves in that. He says, you are, you are spies. Now, why does the verse say he remembered the dreams he had? Because you remember that what was the first dream? That your 
my corn of sheaves stood tall and your corn, your, your sheaves of corn bowed down to me. So you can see that here straight away that was being fulfilled. So the first part of the first dream is now being fulfilled in that the ten sheaves of corn are bowing down to Yosef's sheaf of corn. Now, when he uses the word meraglim, okay, meraglim means spies, he was also hinting to something else, just like Yaakov was hinting to them. Meraglim, mem, resh, gimel, lamed, mem, stands for, it's an acronym, says the Midrash. It stands for the phrase, me'imi, rachel, genaftem, lemedianem, yishmaelim, mechartem. From my mother, Rachel, you stole me, and you gave them to the Midianites, the Yishmaelites, you sold me. So when he says, Meraglimatem, you are spies, even though we are translating it as spies, in fact, it was an acronym to say, I know who you are, and you are the ones who stole me from my mother, Rachel, and sold me as a slave. This is 101.9. IFM. 101.9 megahertz of life. Okay, if you want to ask a question or have a comment, 34519 is our SMS line, 061-895-1019, our telegram number. Verse 10 of chapter 42, Vayomru Elav, they respond to him, to the accusation of them being spies, Lo Adoni, no my lord, your servants have come only to purchase food. We are all sons of one man. We are honest people, and your servants have never been spies. Like they basically like tried to refute the fact that they weren't spying on anything. They're an honest bunch of people coming from one father. And they, they've never, ever been spies. Vayomer Alehim, Yosef says to them, Lo, ki erbata aretz batem lirot. Nah, you came to see that how the land is exposed, meaning you're liars. Because where did my men find you? In the brothel district, no less. And you were all together at that time. Like, you deserve to be punished just for being in such a place. What, what, what people cross over the border and go straight to the brothel district as soon as they come to town? Um, and the Midrash goes and says, they went and said, um, we lost something and we were looking for it. And Yosef then gazed into his cup as if he was in a trance. And he says, ah, I see that two of you destroyed the entire great city of Shechem. And then you sold your brother to Yishmaelites. And with this, the brothers became un believably frightened. They respond, verse 13, by Yomru, they reply, achim. We were, your servants were 12 brothers. Anachnu ben Ishechad, b'nei Ishechad. We are the sons of one man, Be'eretz Canaan, in the land of Canaan. Ve'hine hakaton et avinu, the youngest of us are, are one of us is with our fathers, ve'echad eneinu. And the other is no is no more. So basically, what they were saying is that um, because the last brother, our brother that we lost, was um, we scattered and we went through different gates. 
because we were looking for him. And again, they were trying to reiterate, we're honest. We're honest human beings. We live in Canaan. We're not far from here. Uh, you can find people to vouch for us. You'll see that we're honest men. And if we were really, really spies, we wouldn't have all come together because anybody knows, right? Spying is a dangerous business and there would be no way that uh, that, that, that we would spy and, and all come together. When you spy, you, you, you stay away from each other. Um, and the Midrash goes and fills in and says, they openly told Yosef that they were seeking their lost brother. And when they saw him looking into his cup, doing some type of heebie-jeebie, they looked at each other and they knew that they can't, they can't lie. They can't get away with stuff that they, it was the best thing to tell the truth. So they admitted they had sold their brother, uh, but justified it since he had been a traitor to them. And the Midrash goes and says that Yosef said to them, oh, and if you found your brother, what would you do? To which they answered, we would do everything in our power to bring him back. And Yosef said to them, and what if he was a valuable slave and his master wanted a lot of money for him? Would you pay it? They said, of course. And then Yosef said, and what if his master would not sell him for all the money in the world? They said, we would either kill him or be killed. Yosef though replies in verse 14, it's just as I said to you, you are spies. So there's two things happening at the same time here. Yosef is getting information all the time, okay? And at the same time, he's carrying on about the spies, um, the spies' story. And... Then he replies them um, to them, and this is where we are going to end today's show. This is how you are going to be uh, tested. Chai paro, by the paro's life. Im timtsu'u mizeh ki achichem hakaton heina. You are not going to leave this place until you bring your baby brother. Shichu mikem echad. One of you can go back and go fetch this other small brother of yours. You are going to remain locked up here. And your words will be tested to see if there is any truth in you. And if not, by the life of Paro, I will know that you for sure are spies. Okay, Yosef was, you can see, swearing falsely in the name of Paro, about the name of Paroi. Okay, um, but the bottom line is when Yosef said by, by, by Paroi's life he was speaking the truth, he didn't intend to allow all his brothers to leave because he wanted them to bring Binyamin. Um, and he kept his word, and at the end what happened was after much negotiation, um, they held Shimon prisoner until Binyamin was brought. 
Okay, he wanted, he was basically now creating a situation that would prove to him that what happened to him, he was recreating it again. Another brother, a brother was going to be lost. Obviously, he was going to lay his hands on Binyamin. He wanted to see if his brothers had, in fact, done chuva, if his brothers had, in fact, repented and that they felt bad for what they had done. So Yosef is very, very cleverly weaving a situation which will, um, will force the brothers to bring Benjamin back so that they can be truly tested. And I want to leave you with a thought. You know, many, many times in life, um, things happen to us that hurt and that, um, that are uncomfortable for ourselves. And it is a prudent thing to just take a step back and always ask yourself, that which you are receiving now, did you at any point in time met out to another person? Did you behave like that to another person and put another person in the same situation that you find yourself? And I can tell you for myself, there have been a few situations where I have seen the middle connected midder, the measure for measure. I behaved like an XYZ and then somewhere along the life that same situation came back with maybe different people, different circumstances and it came back for me to be on the receiving end to know that that is the way that, that, that I behaved and had caused harm to others. And so this is what Yosef is doing to his brothers. He was a tzaddik. He was a very, very righteous person. And he was able to, um, to concoct that. But we should understand that everything that happens to us is orchestrated by God. We believe in the concept of hashkacha pratit, of divine providence, and that everything that comes our way comes to our way because there's something to learn from it. And, and a person who has any measure of humility should sit back and say, I, I, I'm suffering now. There is pain. I am so angry. I'm being hurt. What, whatever it is that is happening to you, was there ever an occasion where I behaved untoward towards somebody else and perhaps caused them that very same pain? Um, because nothing goes we, we can see from this entire story in the Bible that nothing goes unturned. If Yosef didn't behave, he got punished because he did X, Y, Z. If the brothers and the, they're getting their, you know, they're getting their recompense. And it's vice versa, obviously, also in the realm of good. Know that when you do a good deed, that good deed will also um, have its, 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 its positivity and it will always stay with you. And with that thought, I'd love to um, leave you. Hope you have a wonderful week ahead. Shavua Tov, and I'll be back same time, same place next week.